morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and today is a special, exciting day. Yesterday, we celebrated Easter around the world, and we celebrated the empty tomb, and the gospel was preached in uh, place after place, and that is exciting to know. You know, the word gospel means good news, and the gospel is good news for two groups of people. It's good news for hopeless sinners, sinners who are far from God, sinners who desperately need a Savior, and the gospel says you can be saved, you can be forgiven no matter what you've done. But it's also good news for guilt-ridden saints, for those who know the Savior but have wandered away from Him and have gotten entangled in the world and are filled with guilt and shame over the way they've been living, the gospel says you can come back to the Savior. You can be forgiven and restored in your relationship. I love what the scripture says uh, in the gospel of Mark. It, it adds two words at the empty tomb. The angel at the empty tomb said to those ladies, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going before you into Galilee. The Lord hadn't given up on Peter. Peter was a guilt-ridden saint. He had denied the Lord three times, but the Lord had good news. He had grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness for Peter to forgive him and to restore him to his position with the disciples. Well, I'm joined in the studio today by my lovely wife, Debbie, and also by our sweet, dear friend, Megan Cook. Megan is a first grade teacher, and Megan has a testimony that says, Jesus Christ saves sinners, and Jesus Christ forgives guilt-ridden saints. Megan, welcome to the program today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, Megan, you have an incredible story, and you shared this in church a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago, and uh, it's a story that speaks to many, many people because People can relate to being a hopeless sinner, and they can relate to being a guilt-ridden saint. Mm -hmm. They can relate to saying, hey, even as a Christian, I've messed up bad. Now what do I do? So uh, let's start at the beginning. So share your story. How did your life begin, and and how did you grow up, and and how did the Lord work in your life as a young child? Okay, so growing up... um, I grew up with my mom and my dad, and I had an older sister. And when we were young, I remember um, going to church, um, but it wasn't really a priority for us. Um, And when I turned about six or seven, um, my dad got my sister and I involved in softball. And that became our number one priority in our family. So every weekend was filled with softball. Um, And you were good at softball. I maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wasn't at first. (laughs) Um, I played for for up until I was about 16. Um, But I grew up, and so that was really um, our focus in our family was softball. And... um, Sorry. And so we didn't go to church, but that my dad struggled when I was young with lots of anger issues. And um, one of the ways he lost his dad when I was a baby. And I think that he struggled um, with bitterness and he was very hurt 
when I was younger, and he took out some of his anger on us in softball, um, which really caused tension in our home, and it caused tension between um, my mother and him, but also between my sister and I and my dad. Um, So our relationship was very rocky. Um, But I remember uh, my uncle and aunt and my cousins lived behind us through the woods, and I would run through the woods and we'd go over there and I, that's kind of a safe haven mm-hmm. for us. Um, and my uncle was a pastor, um, at a local church in Atlanta where I live. And that's I would, Atlanta, Texas, yes, yes. Not, Atla- Atlanta, Georgia. not Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I, I would spend a lot of time over there when I wasn't playing softball. Um, and I, I kind of grew up thinking and the way my, my dad loved coaching us. He was my coach. And he, um, I grew up, the better I did when I played softball, the, the more love I felt from him. Um, and I'm sure he did not do that purposefully, you know, and, um, not intentionally, but that's how I felt and the vice versa, the worse I did, um, the more, I don't want to say scared I was of him, but of his reactions and what that meant at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he really took softball seriously, and that was um, a source of lots of tension. Um, so anyways, I would, I would find myself going through the woods to my uncle's house, and I would go to church with them because our family stopped going when, I was, when we started softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd go to church with them, and, um, you know, I saw people, other kids getting baptized in the church, and um, I thought, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. So I asked if I could be baptized, um, not really understanding what that meant, not understanding. I thought maybe that baptism was how you were saved. Right. Um, and so I did. I was baptized in the sixth grade, <clears throat> and... Um, there was no change, though. There was I did not recognize that I was a sinner. Right. Um, so, you, so you were just a wet sinner. Yes, I, I was a wet sinner. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. No change. No change. Um, now I, I believed in G- Jesus. I knew who He was, um, but I had not confessed my sin. I had not turned from my sin and did not even really recognize that I was a sinner at that point. Um, so, you know. Softball is still a major part of our lives. Um, Every weekend, that's what we did. There was tension in the home. My mom, um, she, I grew up, she would, she did not like how my father would treat us in softball. So that would cause a rift between her and my father. Mm -hmm. Um, So we saw lots of tension between them due to softball. Um, And that continued on up until my high school years. that would probably make you hate softball. It did. And that that's really one of the reasons I, I finally quit. I just said I was at practice with my dad one day and I said, I'm done. And I walked off um, because it, it wasn't fun anymore. Um, I felt that I was under a lot of pressure to perform. Right. Um, and I just really couldn't handle that anymore. Um, and up until... My sophomore year in high school, um, my life kind of crumbled my sophomore year. Um, my my house burnt down. 
um, when I was a sophomore. And just soon after that, my parents got a divorce. Mm. And then my sister was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And she had to go in um, and have brain surgery and have that tumor removed. So she was my best friend growing up because it was always us, Mm -hmm. uh, my sister and I. And we knew when things were happening in the home, we had each other. And so my that all happened within like six months or so of each other. And my life really crumbled at that point. Um, and I just felt lost. I felt empty. Um, I was hurt. And I started searching for ways to fill the void in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started searching in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. So in high school, I um, started you know, seeking after boys attention. Mm -hmm. And I started having, um, sexual relationships at a very young age. And I started, um, drinking alcohol heavily and I was involved in drugs and, um, my life kind of just kept spiraling. And you're a sophomore, junior. I was a sophomore in high school when I started, um, seeking those things out and it just progressed Mm -hmm. in my high school career. Um, my mom, she, she was remarried shortly after that, but she tried everything she could to get me out of what I was in. Mm -hmm. And that included, she, I remember her showing up one day at high school and, um, this is the high school, the school I'd always gone to. And she showed up and said, pack your things, you're leaving. And, you know, so I, this was my junior year at that point, and she moved my school, and I she just got my things and took me to a new school and said, you're starting over, um, which really made me hate her. <laughs> and so that caused um, lots of tension between my mom and I, mm-hmm. and um, there was lots of things I think I was really bitter towards, towards her, and um, how dare her <laughs> uproot my life, and but she really tried everything she could to get me off the path that I was on. Um, and so, you know, my life continued like that up until I, it was time for me to graduate high school. And I said, you know, I'm graduating early. I'm going to take some classes, graduate early, and I want to move away, which was not a good idea for me um, at that point in my life. And I ended up graduating early and I went to SFA and that was probably one of the worst decisions I could have made. And, um, but my, I, not, not that Stephen F. Austin. No, no, it's a good school. It's a good school. It was not good for me at that. It was not good for me. Um, and I went to college and there I had all the freedom and I didn't have my mom looking after me or, anyone and I didn't have anyone to hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. And so as much as I spiraled out of control in high school, my college year, (laughs) I was only there a year, um, really, I I went to a really dark place in college. And I, um, to the point where my mom showed up at college, that's kind of a repeating pattern. (laughs) And she uh, knocked on my dorm room and she knew She had to get me out of there. And um, so she said, you're coming home. And I really didn't have a choice because I didn't go to class. I didn't. um, I was finding anything I could really like a self-destruction mode, um, trying to do all I could just 
what else can I get into? And um, so after a year, I came home and um, my mom had a baby while I was away at college. And so I had this new baby sister and I had a new stepfather at home and I moved home. And um, for about a month or so, things were okay. And then I met uh, a guy and moved in with him. So um, my, my parents did not like that, and, but they liked him. And they thought, you know, it's better that she's there with him than doing the things that she was doing. And um, so I moved in with my boyfriend. And we lived together for a while. And um, my mom and my stepdad and my baby sister, they started coming here to church at FBC Texarkana. And I remember they they would text me and say, hey, wouldn't you like us to pick you up on the way? And we can take you um, to church. And I said, sure. Mm-hmm. So I would go with them. They'd pick me up at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. And I would get in the car with them and drive up here. And I remember the first time I thought, hmm, there's something about that pastor. <laughs> it's like, I like him. He's and so handsome. He's, <laughs> not my words. No. <laughs> um, he, uh, but, but I something kept drawing me back. And so time after time, I I kept meeting them at the end of the road and they would bring me to church and I could feel God was really stirring in my heart. And I started really seeing my sin for what it was. And I, I recognized finally that, oh, I am a sinner and the way I'm living is not okay. And um the boyfriend that I was living with at the time, you know, I didn't really know what to do. I knew I was having these, I knew I was feeling um, tugged at the heart to to leave or to do something. I didn't know what yet. And, um, and so I, in my last ditch effort to try and stay with him, I asked him to come to church. Yes. And he came with me. All right, we're talking to Megan Cook. She has a tremendous testimony of God's grace, God's grace to save a hopeless, helpless sinner, and God's grace to restore a guilt-ridden saint. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. financial business. We manage a couple of trusts and some estates and of course our own monies too. Courtney Trotter talks about the charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation. I understand annuities about as much as anyone I guess can. So I just felt the charitable gift annuity was a win-win situation for many people that still are generating income and still have assets because you never know when you may have to draw down on something like that. And if you don't ever have to, then it's even a better gift to get to a really good foundation like AFA, a very solid investment, a good way to help do the Lord's work, and it's there to help us as well. Find out if the charitable gift annuity can work for you by calling the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. It was a bad move. 
Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. Pastor Jeff Shreve, and this is Real Truth for Today, and I'm joined in the studio by my wife, Debbie, and we're talking to Megan Cook about the power of the gospel. You know, Megan, when we finished this last segment, one thing that came to my mind was, as as I was listening to your life, mm-hmm. that you had all these startovers, like mm-hmm. you, you were in high school, your mom made you change high schools, you went to college, your mom came and got you from college, brought you home, you moved in with a boyfriend, you know, you had all these different mm-hmm. do-overs, so mm-hmm. to speak, but the sinful you that had not gotten right with the Lord went with you everywhere you went. And so really mm-hmm. it was just a geography change. Absolutely. And so um, kind of pick us up where we left off. And that was that you were living with your boyfriend, mm-hmm. coming to First Baptist Church here. Mm-hmm. You had come on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. with him and pick us up. Yes, I, I finally, you know, the last ditch effort, I didn't know what to do to how to leave really that that relationship. So I thought I will take him with me. And we, uh, I I brought him with me. I talked, I convinced him to come with me one Sunday and lo and behold, we sat down and I looked at the notes, the sermon notes. And I thought, Oh, Wow. Mm-hmm. It was when, how God created marriage. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> um, and so as I sat there and I listened to the sermon and God just was speaking directly mm-hmm. to my heart, um, so convicted. And in that moment, I knew what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the my boyfriend did not hear that the same message that I heard (laughs) um so that day I I left and I moved out 
of the house with him and back in my parents. And then the week after I came to the altar and I gave my life over mm-hmm. and I and I knew that I had been a sinner and I knew I needed to repent. And I put my faith, I put my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross that mm-hmm. day um, to forgive me and give me eternal life. And um, so I was after that, I just had this rush, you know, mm-hmm. I was on fire for the Lord, mm-hmm. but I was also a baby Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was doing all the things I knew I needed to do. I thought um, I was I didn't I, you know, I didn't really know where to start in the Bible, where to read. So I was reading Proverbs every day. Those were just little nuggets of truth that I could get through that I understood. And I signed up for mission trips. And um, so I you know, I changed some of my friends um, and I stopped going out. I stopped doing the things that I was doing. Um, But I was very immature and I I didn't know, you know, Peter talks about guarding our hearts. I didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was not um, aware of how the enemy comes after you after you're saved. Um, I thought once you're saved, like everything will be great. (laughs) And it wasn't. And um, I remember specifically a friend asked me, an old friend that I used to hang out with would ask me, why don't you just come out one time with us to eat? We're just going to go eat. And I said, "Okay, I'll go. And I knew where that would lead. But I went anyway. And that one decision led to another. And I found myself doing the same things that I had done before I put my faith in Jesus. And I thought, how? You know, how am I here? How did I get here? And it Mm -hmm. seemed to happen so quickly. Um, And convicted, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, and I've heard you say this before, um, you know, now I was being convicted of my sin before I was doing these things and I did not feel bad about these things. Now I did feel bad. And then instead of handling that conviction appropriately, the more I felt bad, the worse I would do. So mm-hmm. I think you've said the more you behave like trash, the right. more, you know, the cycle just keeps going. Right. And so I felt like trash and I kept doing those things. And before long, um, I wound up pregnant and I was alone. I was pregnant and I thought, wow, what am I going to do? And um I remember a friend at that time when I found out I was pregnant asked me, you know, what about abortion? And I said, I was just appalled. I was like, that is one thing I will never do. I will never have an abortion. And so I had this beautiful baby girl and she just rocked my world because I fell in love with her and and I wanted to be such a good mom to her. Um, but there was still things in my life that I had not confessed and repented of. And I kept doing some of the things that I was still, you know, ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, before long, I wound up pregnant again. And how old was Ava at that time? Ava was three Okay. Um, when I was pregnant again. And I remember being alone in in the apartment that I lived in and the words of my friend kept ringing over in my head. What about an abortion? And also my words kept ringing. I would never do that. But I found myself doing the one thing I said I would never do. Mm -hmm. And I had an abortion 
And, um, you know, during that time, the enemy really came after me and the thoughts of this is the only way you can hide what you've done. And this is what will people think of you? You are saved and here you are. You can't make it with two kids. You are a single mom. And I fell into that. And I thought that's the only way I can get through this. And so I... And uh, you didn't tell your mom you were pregnant? You didn't tell anybody mm-mm. you were pregnant? Okay. Mm-mm. So it was just you. So I was there by myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had the... I went to the clinic by myself, had an abortion, and I left there. And I remember people picketing outside mm-hmm. when I was there. And... um and I was just so empty. I was numb almost um, to what I was doing. Um, I knew it was wrong, but I was doing it anyway. And I left there and I was in a very dark place. Mm-hmm. I felt so guilty, mm-hmm. um, so ashamed that I could have done that. How could I have done that? When that was the one thing I said I would not do. And I had this beautiful little girl at home who I love more than anything and did Megan did you think uh at that time did you really feel like you were still a Christian or were you starting to think I questioned I questioned if I was because Mm -hmm. I thought Christians don't do that Mm -hmm. um Christians don't behave that way um because in my mind I still thought you know once you were saved that you wouldn't struggle with those things Mm -hmm. um and so the fact that I was there struggling with the same things I had before I knew Jesus and doing those things. And I thought I really questioned if I was saved or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had lots of guilt, lots of shame. Um, I fell into a really deep depression. So I wasn't being a a good mom to my daughter at that time because I was just in such a dark place. Um, And I remember um, coming home and I I had moved again (laughs) during that time, and then I moved back. Mm -hmm. And I moved back um, home with my grandmother, and I remember sitting in my dark room, and I remembered the sermon that I heard you preach um, when I did give my life to Jesus. And I remember that hope that I felt and the fire that I felt, and I thought, I've got to find that again. And... Um, I downloaded the FBC Texarkana app and I clicked on a sermon of when life begins. Mm. And as I sat there and listened, I tears just running down my face and I was listening to the words in that sermon. And then I remember seeing you um, when you were preaching in our specifically, it's very vivid in my head of you lifting your arms And I remember you saying, I don't care what you've done, that God can forgive anyone. And it doesn't matter how far you've gone off. If you return from your sins, if you repent and confess and come to him, he will run to you with his arms open. And I just, I I physically cried out to God and I was crying and I said, God, forgive me, forgive me for this. And not only forgive me for the sin that I committed, but can you take away this shame and can you take away this guilt and just restore in me, you know, the joy of my salvation. And he did that. And I remember that day, like I still have 
goosebumps now just talking about that time because it's very vivid for me. And I remember after that prayer and crying out to God, I felt this peace that can only come from him. And I thought for the first time in a long time, he loves me. Mm. He loves me. And it's okay. You know, I I still have consequences that I deal, dealt with from the actions that I had. But I felt him saying, Megan, I love you. Mm. And just walk with me. Will you walk yeah. with me? And It's hard to feel mm-hmm. God's love when you're in the far country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you turn, it's so easy to feel it. Like you, you it's right. overwhelming almost of how can he still love me right. after everything that I've done. Um, and, you know, from that point on, I knew, okay, he confirmed in me that I was saved. Yes. And um, I... I felt a stronger urge to get to know him more because for once, you know, before when I first was saved, I was just trying to do the things that I thought Christians did. I didn't know I was reading the Proverbs, you know, like I said, and I didn't really know how to walk this journey. And I didn't have people in my life. I didn't have a small group. I didn't have mentors um, that I could go to. And I began that first you know, when I came back to him, when I turned from that pigsty and I came back to him really wanting to know who he was, who is this God that not only can save me, but can restore all of this that I've done, even after knowing him and and really just embracing me after that. Right. Well, I think one thing that that I'm hearing in all of this is that God really opened your eyes to the mm-hmm. fact that his love for you was not based on mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. And talk about the connection between you did feel that performance-based mm-hmm. acceptance with your earthly father mm-hmm. and that kind of that always transfers over into how we see our heavenly father. Mm-hmm. That relationship with our earthly father is so important. So talk talk about that connection for us a little bit, Megan. You know, I think when I was saved you know, just what you're saying, Debbie, I felt like I had to do good for him to love me and for him to, um, for God, for God to accept me and to, um, you know, and so when I wasn't doing good and when I did fall back into these patterns that I had grown up doing and, and the sins that so easily entangled me, um, I felt there's, there's no way that he's happy with me. He is, he's very upset with me. And that's the view that I had of God, that he must be very upset with me because he's already saved me and look what I've done. Right. Um, it's the, the video that you showed yesterday and from the chosen, that scene with Mary Magdalene, that's really how I felt. Mm. And, um, you know, once I, started going down the wrong path again after I was saved and doing those wrong things again and sinning again and and just falling into that I thought I can't come back to him I can't come back to him Mm -hmm. um because I embarrassed and ashamed and guilty um but when I did um that's when I realized okay God in heaven is not like that (laughs) he his love for me 
goes beyond what I can even really imagine. And so all those things I grew up with and those thoughts that I had about how a father's love is was not true. Those were things that were not true of of, of God. And I finally, in that moment and, and since then, have found that God loves me regardless of what I do. Um, and it has nothing to do with who I am. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, and he loves me anyway. And one of the verses that I always, I know you said, y'all say this with your girls, that always remember that God is good and God loves you. Right. And I would start saying that to myself. Um, and and he is good and he does love me. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way we grow up, if you have an earthly father who it's really performance-based, um, that's really hard to transition and to right. um, get your heart to understand that God, that's not how God in heaven is. Mm-hmm. Amen. He is not like that, and we're so glad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most people have a have a difficulty with performance-based mm-hmm. acceptance mm-hmm. with God. God loves me if I'm doing mm-hmm. well, and he doesn't love me if I'm doing poorly, and so I better watch mm-hmm. my P's and Q's, and then that that causes us to put on a mask, mm-hmm. and we're not real, we're not genuine. And when we pray, we don't just genuinely say, Lord, I'm struggling, mm-hmm. Lord, I, I need your help. And uh, Megan, one of the things I just love about you is, is your openness and honesty to share things that are hurtful, things that are painful, things that are shameful, because as I've told you before, so many people live there Mm -hmm. and they don't talk about it and they cover it up and they throw a sheet over it and say, maybe it'll go away. It doesn't go away, but God can use it when we pull the sheet off of that and we bring it to the Lord and Mm -hmm. we, uh, we don't, we don't cover it. We Mm -hmm. confess it. And Mm -hmm. the Bible says he who covers his transgressions, um, will, will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. And you found compassion in the Lord when you did that. And then going the next step to share that publicly mm-hmm. is it, it, that's a difficult mm-hmm. step of faith, but that's what helps so many people. So we're talking to Megan Cook, and as a believer, she got back involved with her old life and sexual immorality that led to a pregnancy, that led to an abortion. But she found the grace and forgiveness of God to be restored to Him and to experience His mercy uh, fresh and anew. And so we know that that resonates with many, many people. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Real Truth for today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. We find our identity and we celebrate the things that Jesus has done in our lives rather than our identity as being broken humans. Authenticity and the Young Christian, an article by Jordan Shandley. That's a good place to start, but then we move on. We take the next step and we say, but Jesus 
has done this for me, and then that is what we show the world, not just our brokenness. To read this article, visit afa.net forward slash the stand. So vegetarian crocodiles? This is Ken Ham, a missionary to our evolutionized culture and even to the church. Yes, ancient crocodiles did eat plants. Now, how do we know this? Well, scientists recently published a study of tooth fossils. They determined that eating mainly plants was common among various members of the crocodile families. But that study is not really how we know for sure that yes, vegetarian crocs existed in the past. You see, we already knew this long before that study. And how? because God's Word tells us that in God's original creation, all the animal kinds were vegetarian. It wasn't until after sin, when creation was no longer very good and death entered, that creatures became carnivorous. We're not surprised that ancient crocs were vegetarian. Get answers to your questions about creation, evolution, science, and the Bible at AnswersRadio.com. Be equipped and encouraged to think biblically at AnswersRadio.com. Oops, there's a piece I missed a little bit. Grandpa, why do we always pick up litter when we go hiking? Well, we're just making it nicer for people who come after us a little bit. It's called stewardship. My grandfather taught me that you should always leave a place better than you found it. That it's important to invest in the lives of your children and grandchildren, leaving them with a godly legacy they can build on. That's why I decided to set up a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. It's called stewardship. I know that my gift will support a ministry that honors the biblical principles I hold dear, and it's a way to invest in the future of our country. The AFA Foundation also arranged for me to have a steady fixed income, so I don't have to worry in the midst of changing times. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm joined in the studio by my wife, Debbie, and we're talking to Megan Cook, and we're talking about good news for guilty saints. Megan, we ended this last segment talking about um, just the connection between the performance-based acceptance with your earthly father and, and just really God transforming you to open your mind to understand that his love for you wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was, I was thinking um, about, about your testimony and about the courage it takes to share this testimony. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And I think um, you've probably heard this and some of our listeners have probably heard this saying that you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm -hmm. And there's that uncovering and unveiling of those secrets that Satan wants to hold us Mm -hmm. captive to. There's such a a freedom in that and that we can use um, that scripture verse about Romans 828 that that when we do uncover those things and we confess them, God promises to use all those things to work together for our good. Okay, so Megan, you... You become a Christian, then you get back involved, then you you get pregnant to mm-hmm. have a baby, then get pregnant again and have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Haven't told anybody, Mm-mm. but you get right with God. Mm-hmm. How long was it before you were able to share with your mom, with friends, this is what um, happened? It took probably, let's see, about a year mm-hmm. um, before I was able to tell anyone. Um, and 
during that year, it tormented me um, because just like Debbie said, you're only as sick as your secrets. And when we keep these things secret, um, the devil will use that and and he will use that to keep coming back at you and keep and attacking beat you, you up with and guilt. beat yes, beating me up with it and look at who you are, look at what you've done. Um, and even though I knew God had forgiven me, there was still this, there was still something um, inside that was that was really hard to let go of and to um, uncover because. Abortion is very shameful, and it's um, something, you know, there's some sins that we can easily talk about, but I feel like abortion is one of those things that um, is taboo, and you you don't discuss that, and that's something, you know, if you've done that, then— you're a whole different level. It's yeah, of sinner, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or so and you so, think. Yeah, and, and the devil uses that to say you can't tell anyone this. And so, even though you know, in the privacy of my own home, and I, I did confess that to God, and and He did restore my relationship with Him. Um, there was still something about letting it out to others and so, confessing. So, to are others. you you get right with God? Mm-hmm. Now, are you coming back to church? Yes. Okay. Yes. I started coming back here and um, I was not yet involved in a small group, but I knew, okay, you've got to get involved um, because I could hide in, in church. I could hide in the worship service and not know anyone. And I still had those secrets, you know, um, but I knew I had to go deeper and to get connected to people who I can do life with. And so I ended up getting involved um, with the young singles here um, at FBC. And and that changed everything for me. Um, I think the accountability mm-hmm. um, really changed that for me, that people looked for me when I was like, they would text me, where are you? Yes. Oh, I've got to, I've got to go to the school. Step it up. Yeah, yeah. And so that kind of drove me to keep coming back to and it's I think a lot of people it's awkward to get involved with a small group at first because you don't know people and it's hard and mm-hmm. you come with this baggage and um, you don't know if people there will accept this baggage and you know what these people will be like but the getting involved there really gave me courage I think people surrounding me um the, especially the women that I was involved with and mentors I started having in my life gave me courage too to come public with my past. So, so how long was it from the time of that mm-hmm. to coming public? So once I, uh, I think that I got involved in a small group and about maybe six months to a year later is when I shared my testimony publicly. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's this there's this thing called the imposter syndrome where mm-hmm. the, the devil just uses that to, to tell you mm-hmm. if people really knew mm-hmm. and at any given moment, they're going to find out that you're just posing, mm-hmm. that you're not really who you say you are. Mm-hmm. So how did that factor in to just that continuing to want to keep a secret a secret? Um, you know, I that's something that was very hard for me to open up with. But really, I remember specifically, I um, 
I was waking up in the middle of the night, like, I, and I just couldn't get it off of my mind. And so I, looking back, I know that was just the Holy Spirit really working in me. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and think, I've got to get this. I've got to get this out. <laughs> and I think I messaged you um, during that time. And I was like, I've got to tell somebody <laughs> about this. Um, and if I don't, like some, like I don't know what will happen, but I've got to get this out of me. It was just bursting in me to get out. And and I think when I messaged you and told you, I felt a little relief. But then um, the people that I was close with, um, telling them was something different. And telling um, your mom, telling my mom, um, telling people my family knowing um and oh, that had to be so hard it mm-hmm. is hard and you know it's something very embarrassing to talk about at times and very shameful um but then also i felt this like and this sounds cliche but like god really god was encouraging me mm-hmm. to let this go and i knew like if i told people like he was still going to love me, <laughs> even if other people didn't. Right. Um, and I think I, I, the people surrounding me, my family loved me anyway. My The friends that I let know, they were so supportive and encouraged me. Um, and it made it easier for me to talk about. Well, I would think that would be a lifeline to a lot of other mm-hmm. girls out there mm-hmm. that are hiding that. And have you had a lot mm-hmm. of people reach out to you? I have. And... You know, this goes to show like the truth behind what scripture says, Um, you know, what the devil meant for good. God will use for evil. God used for good. Is that what I said? (laughs) (laughs) You said it the other way. Oh, (laughs) what the devil meant for for bad, for evil. God will use it for good. And um, he did. And as soon as I um, opened up, not only did I feel pressure lifted off of me, but other people started contacting me, other women contacting me. And it blew me away, um, that they were living in the same place I was living in and not, and, and quest had questions and guilt from things they had done, abortions they have had. Um, even women contacting me who were, had not decided yet, if they wanted to have an abortion or not and wanted, they said, I kept, um, they heard my testimony from the church and they had, um, they were considering abortions and they would contact me and want to know, you know, what made me, um, come to God. Like what they just kept thinking, I need to call her. Like, what do I need to do? And I was able to use my past and things that I'd learned from that to talk to to women to help them not make that decision, and I thought, wow, like mm-hmm. how cool! Who, how cool is that right. that God would use me after what I've done um, and turn my whole mess into a message for other women? Mm, that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you deal even today? Because we know that the enemy still wants to mm-hmm. get us into that place of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. How do you combat that in your own life? Um, one thing that I learned, and Debbie, you really helped me with this, mm-hmm. um, that I would struggle with these thoughts that I know the enemy was behind it of not being, just feeling worthless and not good enough and 
who are you to be able to go to church? Who are you to help teach a Sunday school class? Who are you to help lead a Bible study? And those qu- those things would keep popping in my head. And she said, Megan, you write down these lies that you keep hearing. And I wrote them down and she's, she said, now replace those with truth. And so you helped me one day and we... Um, we searched through scripture and found scripture and truth to replace the lies that the enemy was feeding me. And so from that point on, when I would start hearing that and thinking that, I would replace that. And I would say, no, God says this about me. God loves me. And God died for me when I was still a sinner. And he, regardless of what I do, he loves me. And, um, and, you know, in first, I think it's first John. And he says um, that he is faithful and he is just to forgive you of all unrighteousness when we come to him and we right. confess. And and so when I start feeling guilt and shame and thinking, oh, who are you? And he didn't really forgive you. Mm-hmm. Um, I can turn around and I can combat that right. with truth of what God says, because I know what he says is true. And even if I don't feel it at the time, I know that it's true. Right. Mm-hmm. I've said many times, truth is not what you think. It's not what you feel. It's what God says. Mm-hmm. And so the way we combat the lies of the uh, the devil, that's always all he's got is lies, mm-hmm. intimidation and lies. And it beats you up over past sins that mm-hmm. have been confessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stand in the truth. It's like, yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. And Jesus died for that. And I've confessed that sin and he's forgiven me. Uh, I, I have found that one of the best ways to combat the accusations of the enemy is to just go back to the cross and say, Jesus died for that. I've confessed that. Mm. I am free and I am cleansed and praise the Lord. If you keep turning the tables on the devil, he doesn't want to keep coming at you because Mm -hmm. if he comes at you and that turns into praise, well, he's been defeated big Mm -hmm. time. And so he's going to try a different way. I think one of the things, if I remember, that we talked about, Megan, was to to really wrap your brain around the difference between Holy Spirit conviction over Mm -hmm. something and satanic accusation Mm -hmm. over something. And so once you've confessed a sin, um, when the enemy comes in, he's so general in his attack. Mm -hmm. It's like you're just a horrible person. You Mm -hmm. know, you're you're worthless. It's, It's just this broad sweeping kind of thing. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts, he's very specific. Mm. When you did this exact thing, it was displeasing to me. And and so talk about how you have gone through the process of learning to recognize the difference between those two mm-hmm. things. I think, um, well, the first thing I feel like in my own life, and I think everyone is, First, you have to be rooted in his word every day to to understand and to have that discernment Mm -hmm. of the difference between the enemy and the the Holy Spirit conviction. But one thing that I've learned is when I do start hearing the condemnation, I know that is not from God because the word says that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So that's one thing I can stop where I'm at and think, okay. Is this convicting me to change and for the better, or is this condemning me, not wanting me to change and to stay where I'm at? And so I think that's a big difference for me where I I have to recognize that and I have to know really what the word says and I have to be rooted in the word and I have to be rooted in prayer and have 
a really close relationship with God and, and, and know the convictions and the discernment of, okay, this is where I was wrong. Let me, let me confess that and turn from that as a part to the, okay, this is, you're a horrible person and you need to stay where you're at and don't try to confess this. So I think, I think that's what the enemy does is he doesn't want you confessing. He doesn't want you sharing. Um, because when we, he has something to hold over our heads when we don't confess that. Right. And then the scripture says, confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pray for one another that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's um, it's critical to confess our sins to God, mm-hmm. but it's really, really important to confess our sins to another brother or sister mm-hmm. in the Lord, because then that takes, you're only as sick as your secrets. Absolutely. And uh, I have found that I can share anything with God, mm-hmm. but then I don't want to share it with anybody mm-hmm. else because of the shame and of the embarrassment mm-hmm. and all that but there's power in that yes and so um i still remember this is kind of goofy but i still remember a, a scene from a movie where a man had an affair and he was hiding it from his wife and the the lady kept saying i'll tell your wife i'll tell your wife i'll tell your wife and finally he told his wife mm-hmm. and when the lady said well i'm going to tell your wife he said go ahead i've already told mm-hmm. her and it just takes all the all the power away from the enemy mm-hmm. when you're like, yeah, I've already shared that, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've I've let the world know that Jesus has forgiven me. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been talking to Megan Cook. Megan, thank you so much for coming in today. You have a great story to share, and it resonates with people that uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ saves sinners, mm-hmm. and it uh, saves and delivers guilty saints because listen we all have feet of clay we fall into Mm -hmm. sin and god is merciful and god is gracious let me just encourage you to walk in the light as the lord himself is in the light and we can have fellowship with god and the blood of jesus god's son cleanses us from all sin you've been listening to real truth for today and i am pastor jeff shreve go and make today a great day god bless you 